Julian Pensavale. Patrick Hines. Da da da. 2019. Yes! <laughs> oh, we nailed it. Welcome to the new year. Hey, fam. Oh. You guys were off this week, but we wanted to not leave you hanging. We wanted to replay one of our favorite apps. Yeah. Oh, that sounds dark. Ooh, it's, yeah, <laughs> as you said it, I was like, mm. This one's really good. Beware the Slender Man. It's it's a bon- it's bonkers and it's sad, but you know, we yeah, found the funny. And we did, but it's so funny because people are still, especially the Facebook group, like they're scared of their kids a little bit because they're like, "Are my <laughs> does my kid believe in Slender Man?" And you guys, I will say it again, not real. I know Slender Man is not real. It's from a website called Creepypasta. <laughs> and if you're just joining us, uh, you will learn how much I hate the fact that people think it's real. <laughs> the Slender Mansion. I can't. <laughs> I can't. I won't abide. So. So 2019, you guys, my goal, Slenderman is not real. No. You guys, we're back next week with yep. if you need more of Jillian and me between now and then, and who could blame you? I mean, <laughs> <laughs> I like, you sure they don't want to take off for a little bit? I know. <laughs> done with us yet? Don't forget to check out the Patreon, you guys. You can binge all of our coverage of The Staircase, of Serial, mm-hmm. of... The Jenks. I always forget one of them. And we're like burning through making a murderer. Yeah. Check out the Patreon, you guys. We, we still love have you. double digits numbers of episodes to go. We just <laughs> did five. We have still 15 episodes to go. But I'm here for it. I'm loving it. I'm we're loving obsessed. every second of it, really. All right. Enjoy Slenderman. We'll see you for a quick goodbye at the end. Fear the man, the slender man, for he can do what no one can. Came upon a 12 year old female and she appears to be stabbed. She appears to be what? Stabbed? Stabbed? Wire and Geyser are accused of stabbing the friend and leaving her for dead. Police say the suspects were inspired by a character on a website Slender Man, a faceless ghoul. We never thought she could possibly believe that it was real. Anisha told me we had to. She said that he'd kill our families. Who's he? Um, a man. He can be anywhere from 6 feet to 14 feet tall. He doesn't have a face. His skin is white. She needed to prove that Slender Man existed and would be able to do that by killing somebody. Forget how much it sucks to be a kid. They don't know how to differentiate between fantasy and reality. People are captivated by Slenderman. That's what I call power. To believe in the boogeyman isn't that hard. And they believe it was real. She lifts up her napkin, shows me the handle of a knife. What were you thinking? Dear God, this is really happening. So we open on like this Blair Witch looking style situation with this yes. young girl running through the woods yeah. and there's the camera and the light on the camera and she's like it's in the dark <laughs> she's like losing Slenderman and then seeing him and right. it's like these things like oh my god and then this is the very first like the movie opens on the very first homemade video that teenagers are making as if they're really finding Slenderman so that's what that is yeah oh because later on we go through all of the like real Slenderman sighting and it's all these kids just right. making it at home yeah. in their cul-de-sacs in Arizona or whatever and it's like ladies I'm- girls please this is, this is Slenderman's not real hey over here 
I think that when this documentary first came out, the criticism was that it wasn't at all about searching for Slenderman. It was about these two kids that like did this horrible thing in the name of Slenderman. Right, but they did search for Slenderman because they talked to the guy, like the people who make memes, and uh-huh. like, and that's where that's where you find Slenderman. He's on the internet. He's not real. <laughs> like, I don't understand why this is hard for many people to understand. Yeah, 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 yeah. I agree. So I, the, it opens with like the nine one one call. Oh my god! And the thing about this nine one one, first of all, I was like, is this nine one one dispatcher's first day? I know. Like he's like cannot handle the idea that somebody's been stabbed like he's like wait what say what say what we're three seconds in and we're already in an I'm sorry what off this is uh Waukesha Wisconsin yeah did which I, I was right? like who knows guys who I think knows? I did I think I did yeah. um May 31st 2014 at 9.50 in the morning. Uh, so first day or a hundredth day. Right. When it's like, there's a 12-year-old, I found her on the side of the road and, she, she rode and she's been stabbed 19 times. Yeah. I would say, I'm sorry, what? I know. This is horrible. This yeah. can't be, like, who expects to get, they probably get, what, what kind of calls do you get in the middle of nowhere of Wisconsin? Honestly, <laughs> like. On Saturday, May 31st, 2014, at approximately 9.50 a.m., the Waukesha Police Department was notified by a concerned citizen that a 12-year-old girl was stabbed in the area of Big Bend Road in the city of Waukesha. The stabbing brought a huge police presence to the area, a major search by ground and air, looking for two other girls. Anissa Wire and Morgan Geyser are accused of stabbing their friends and leaving her for dead. All right, will you walk us through the, the overview of what happened here? So very quickly, we learn that Anissa Weir and Morgan Geyser stabbed their friend named Peyton who they call Bella. Which I was just like, guys, come on. And even Bella says, like, she, there's a video of her doing the ice bucket challenge, and she says, hi, I'm Bella, and I'm yeah. doing the ice bucket challenge. So whatever this, I guess Twilight came out or whatever. Right. Isn't there a Bella That's in there? That's my guess, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. So whatever. So Peyton Bella, just... Same person. Same person. So they stab her in the woods, and they leave her for dead. They did this. They stabbed her 19 times. She was barely alive. She found her way to the side of the road. And um, apparently, well, not apparently, they were inspired by a website called Creepypasta. Which, just, I, I, I hate that name so much. I, I know, I know, hate it. I know. And the story of Slenderman. Now, the story they followed was about a character called Slenderman. A tall, fictional boogeyman featured on internet blogs. Slenderman, a faceless ghoul many parents have likely never heard of. If you don't know who Slenderman is, well, we didn't either. But plenty of young kids do. If you don't know what Slenderman is, you live under a rock. He is fictional. <laughs> I really, I'm going to say that 800 times. I really just need everyone to be aware. But kids love this story, and we'll get into why why they are drawn to this story. Right. But apparently, these two girls um, really did it to prove their worth to the Slender Man. And even though they are 12 years old, they are tried as adults. So the interrogation, we see them in the interrogation room, and we see they're separated. They're in different interrogation rooms, and it sort of goes throughout. We learn a lot of stuff about like their plan in the beginning that's like so creepy like the, Anissa said that she wanted she needed to prove that the Slender Man existed that was her whole point I wanted to prove all skeptics wrong okay so did you think that you actually had to kill somebody to do it yeah like for real can you say it one more time? Slenderman is not real. <laughs> because Anissa, I mean, these kids don't believe it. These kids believe that Slenderman is real. Well, the reason they stabbed their best friend in this particular forest is because the Slender Mansion... <laughs> 
<laughs> I almost just broke the bell. The Slender Mansion is apparently in the middle of the woods in Wisconsin. Right. And what they were going to do was kill their friend. Yeah. This is, I can't even believe this is a thing that I know, I'm saying out loud and it ha- actually happened. They were going to kill their friend and then just like walk until they found the Slender Mansion. And that's where all the creepy pastas live. Right. Creepy pasta gets the garbage. <laughs> out. I'm going to pull it back. Do- I feel like there are some people who are just like, I used to love True Crime Obsessed until that goddamn bell. <laughs> came along and ruined everything. <laughs> Let, let's let's go into these interrogations a little bit. These interrogations are sprinkled in throughout the documentary. Yeah. And goddamn if they aren't some of the creepiest <laughs> minutes I've ever watched in my life. No, it's true because the, the kids sound like robot demon children. This is literally like these these interrogations are six hours after the stabbing. Mm-hmm. So they've been picked up. They've been brought to interrogation rooms. This comes up later. But I immediately was like, where are their parents? Why aren't their parents there? Yeah. And we find out later that they weren't entitled to a phone call they didn't like they didn't offer the parent being there to the kids and of course the kids aren't going to think to ask right before i i find out what the real story is of what happened today i need to read you your rights if you cannot afford an attorney one will be provided to you by the courts understanding these rights you want to sit down and talk to me about today you do me a favor and initial right there and sign right there here yeah so their parents are not with them which i hate um, but tell us about, take us through Morgan's, the beginning part of Morgan's. So Morgan from the very beginning is really throwing Anissa under the bus. Yeah. Big time. They kind of both are. Both throwing each other under the bus. Yeah. And then they both, they go from like throwing each other under the bus to both of them totally freely admitting what happened. <laughs> right. Back and forth. And yeah. I'm like, oh, this is, this is some serious stuff. These, these girls are incredible incredibly troubled absolutely 12 year olds so morgan is saying i didn't want to do this what did you do it then i was afraid of what would happen if i didn't now when if you were to read that like on text right like in in the script wouldn't you think just those words she would be like really emotional and crying yes i didn't want to do this but i was so scared like even that yeah she is monotone there's no emotion coming from either of them. Yep. Anissa gets emotional when they mention her parents right. l- much later on. But until then, they're just like, no, like, this is what creepypasta is. And I'm like, oh, my God. I know. I know. And, and we immediately find out that these kids really think that Slender Man is real through this interrogation. Yeah. So Morgan is asked, have you ever met him? Ever met him? Not exactly. And I'm immediately locking all my doors. Everyone <laughs> in this movie is under my closet and also in my bed. It's weird. They're like splitting themselves up. It's horrifying. Yeah. And then he says to her, tell me about him. Tell me about him. He watches you. How does he watch you? He can read minds and he has teleportation skills. And like one, one of the most chilling things is that Morgan is asked, why did you stab Peyton? Why did you decide to stand Peyton? It was necessary. <laughs> it was it is terrifying. Fact. I know. I, know, I can't I know, handle I know. it. I don't. It's like it's not just garbage. I'm like I'm scared for everybody I know, involved. I know, I know. This is horrible. I know. Like what do you what do you have to believe to really think that it's necessary? I know. Well, so then we see Anissa in her interrogation room and she's being interrogated by a woman and she says, "Do you honestly believe that your family would be killed?" Cuz that's Anissa's story. She's like, "Of course, of course." Well, I, yeah. well, I read it on the internet. Right. When Morgan said to you that if if 
we don't do this for splendor, um, our families are and loved ones are going to be killed. Do you honestly believe that? Well, yeah, because he could be anywhere from 6 feet to 14 feet tall. He constantly wears a suit. He doesn't have a face. His skin is white. And at his own will, he can, um, like, exploit these tendrils from his back. Okay, so then we get, like, a bit of the Morgan backstory. Mm -hmm. And we meet Morgan's mom, Mm -hmm. who looks, like, totally normal. Angie. Angie. She seems like like she could be anybody's mom. Morgan was a surprise. (laughs) Morgan was a surprise. And I, I didn't know how to feel about it at first. But I knew that I loved her. And she changed our lives drastically and for the better. Yeah, I, I think she's a little, from what things we learn later, and I get this vibe <laughs> from her right up front, she's a little naive and a little bit in denial. I agree. So Morgan was a super cute kid. Mm-hmm. Like this cute, beautiful little like blonde girl. Mm-hmm. And she like loved to play the piano. She's talented. She was super talented at everything. So, and Angie also tells us that Morgan wasn't self-conscious or worried about what anyone thought of her. So at first, Angie thought, great. Even from, from little on, she didn't care what people think about her, which I think is a wonderful trait especially for for a girl and girls are usually so so self-conscious and concerned about about what others others think of them and morgan was never like that and then here are the odd things about morgan (laughs) she didn't react the way that you would expect her to react um like at the movies like if something bad happened to the main character she she wouldn't have empathy for them. This is the first time in this documentary <laughs> where I'm like, are you seriously playing this whole fucking clip? Are you doing this? Are you seriously know, doing I know, this? I know. So Angie tells us that Morgan had no emotion when it came to Bambi. <laughs> they played the scene. You know the scene. I know. The scene. Yeah, the scene where Bambi's mother gets shot. All right. We were so worried to watch it with her because we thought she was going to be so upset, you know, when the when the mother died. But the mother died, and Morgan just said, run, Bambi, run, get out of there, save yourself. <laughs> you know, and she wasn't sad about it. And meanwhile, I'm like, I haven't watched this movie in decades. I know. <laughs> and they're making me sit through the scene. I muted it <laughs> and looked away and wrote notes about something else, which is the I did later on as well, and you guys will know why. So Angie, the mom, tells us that um, they become aware of her, their daughter's interest in the Slender Man. Mm-hmm. We were aware that Morgan was interested in Slender Man. She would show us some of the characters and some of the, the stories. While I wasn't thrilled about her interest, I didn't really see the harm in it either. We never thought for a moment that she she could possibly believe that it was real. And she has this great analogy where she's like, when I was Morgan's age, I I remember biking home from the library with Stephen King's It, you know? So I liked that sort of thing too when I was her age. And I think most kids her age do like scary stories and horror movies and scary stories on the internet, you know? So that's all that we, that's all that we thought that it was. 
And now we learn about Anissa. Yeah. yeah. It opens with this like super creepy video of them singing that Bring My Body Back to Me song. Yeah, that was weird. That went on for too long, much like a lot of this documentary. Bring back. Bring back. Oh, bring back my body to me. And we hear Anissa's backstory i guess from her dad bill yeah because uh bill and christy are no longer together christy right. is anisa's mom bill is super dilfy by the way bill like has his shit together yeah totally bill goes through how like there were rules in that house you know people have asked me if i saw any signs and my daughter and this and that and i'm just like no i knew what she was doing in here you know there's all of the kids not just anisa all of them they know there's you know no closed doors in this house unless you're Fresh out of the shower or getting ready for bed. No, we're taking his word for it, but he seems like a no shit kind of dad. And I think that he's very much trying to head off the idea that he was the un- uninvolved parent. Yeah. For people to say, you know, I wasn't involved, you know, apart from sitting in the corner and watching every move she makes, I don't know how much more involved I could have been. So now we're sort of back to the interrogation room. And this is so creepy. What does Morgan say? Do you know, she asks what happened to Bella. Right. And then she's like, you know, Bella was the one who got stabbed. Morgan, we know. Do you know what happened to Bella? Mm-hmm. She's, still, she's not Anissa. She's the one who was stabbed. Stabbed? I'm not really sure. Is she dead? I don't know. And then it cuts to Anissa in her interrogation room. She basically wants to know how far they walk because her Fitbit was broken. She wants to know what the, how, if she got her steps in. Right. <laughs> Can I ask a quick question? Sure. I just wanted to know how far I walked because I'm usually not very athletic and <laughs> just want to know. Can you know how far that would be? There are so many times it cuts to these kids and they ask a question that you that sounds like they are showing remorse and then it's a completely non-remorseful, self-serving question. Which is why we learn right around this time that they're going to be tried as adults for first-degree murder. Yes. That's a Wisconsin law, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. Well, let's, let's learn a little bit more about Slenderman. Okay, you guys. This cast of characters... <laughs> This is like an adventure in Skype. My favorite thing is there's like a three-minute montage of how nobody can make Skype work ever. Not a single person. <laughs> not a single person being interviewed. Hello, Dr. Zipes. I, I don't have... Uh, hello. Actually, um, the quality seems fine on my end. And yeah, my Skype is just not having it today. You, we, have, have we started now? It just immediately, immediately made me think of Gay Talese. Yeah. Like, Gerald! Hello? <laughs> Can't get a word in edgewise. Hello, what's the matter? What is it? What's the matter? Well, the first guy we meet is Trevor J. Blank, PhD. What is his title? He is a digital folklorist. How do you think that conversation went with his parents? Mom and dad, mom and mom, dad and dad. I want to get my PhD in digital folklorism. Kids never let anyone tell you you can't be anything you want in this world. This guy is a doctor of shit you read on the internet. Don't let anyone tell you you can't be exactly what you want to be. Digital folklorist PhD. He should be an inspiration to you all. It's absurd. 
<laughs> what a time to be alive. A doctor of shit you read on the internet. <laughs> unbelievable. Not since out came the chloroform have uh, I laughed so hard. It's unbelievable. Uh. Slenderman is the modern day boogeyman. Because it's faceless, because it's, it's quiet, because it doesn't speak words, is open to a lot of interpretation and open to a lot of possibilities, a lot of projection. It varies from person to person as to what Slender Man actually is. Okay, so this part is like really interesting. This is where we actually learn the like how, how Slender Man came to be, and they track down the very first post about Slender Man. It's a Photoshop contest. <laughs> right. He's not real. <laughs> obvious he's not real <laughs> we can empirically look back and find out where slender man was created it was created in 2009 by eric nutson under the screen name victor surge as part of a photoshop contest to try to create something that looked real that really wasn't careful what you wish for photoshop i know thanks God. thanks for this photoshop seriously so and let's describe slender man he's yeah. sort of exactly what he sounds like he's a tall he could be he's usually abnormally tall yeah um six five at least i would say and even all the photos that they show yeah super slender and he doesn't have a face right he's just like a white face which again is like he can be anything you want exactly totally it encapsulates symbolically a lot of these other kind of societal fears that we've had for ages and ages and kind of conveniently wraps them up and makes really malleable because really slender man can be whomever you want him to be He's sort of our digital folklorist friend says that he's the grim reaper with a heart of gold. Right, because this is where we start to learn that the thing about Slender Man is that he's not he's there maybe to save the kids. He's not there to torment the kids. Right. These pictures are not so much him showing up on the playground to snatch kids away, but to rescue them. Stories like this can be a powerful aphrodisiac for for somebody who is lonely or is troubled or is trying to find their way in the world. But at the same time, then we hear from Morgan and Anissa, if you don't do what he says, he'll kill your family. Right, right. So again, it's like, depending on all the stories you read, yeah. depending on what information you get, it's totally well, different. It's important to point out here that like they say that the reason Slender Man is so many things to so many people is because people were just like building on the existing story, mm-hmm. taking what they liked about the story and changing it. Right. Slenderman has this entire community of people online who are feeding into the narrative and creating their own versions of it. It's, it's constantly ex- exponentially growing. It's, it's just the idea that like Slenderman is meant to embody anything that anybody is afraid of. So like right. you can custom fit it to your personal fears and that's what people do. Yeah. Sort of when you need him the most, he can become a very comforting figure. Right. And then when there are mental health issues at play, that becomes delusion. Right. And then we get into a really dark, dark place. Right. Can we talk really quickly about 800-year-old Richard Dawkins? Sure, the evolutionary biologist. <laughs> He's your great, 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 great grandfather mm-hmm. who explains what a meme is. He's here for one reason, and it's to explain <laughs> to everybody what a meme is. And I'm here for it. In human culture, if it's copied from one brain to another... That's a meme. But the thing about the meme that's so interesting and why it applies so much to this thing is because he's saying a meme is anything replicable. Mm -hmm. And the Slender Man was so replicable. It's so heavily visually oriented that it's replicable 
without really having to understand too much cultural context. Like you would see him, he went from being like a 2D thing that you would draw pictures of to then you would like write stories about. Then it was like a thing on YouTube. Right, where people were staging like that video of like the kid's little brother doing cartwheels or doing right. gymnastics and he's being she's being filmed in the middle of the day and then suddenly it's like, oh fuck! And yeah, like the yeah. camera's all shaky and it's like real Slender Man sighting. Like that's what these kids were doing. Right. What the fuck? Oh my god! Run! 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 They're faking it. Right. And they know they're, you know that's bullshit when you're filming it. Right. But you're playing into this narrative and other people are taking it in a really serious, creepy way. Right. And they, they say too that like the YouTube became the language for people overseas who didn't speak English to find their way into the Slender Man yeah. thing. And they, there's a video of these two guys like walking into a field in like Russia or whatever mm-hmm. like to go see Slender Man. And you see Slender Man like way off. It's crazy. And it's amazing because these videos, the way they shoot them are like, there's handheld, so they're super like Blair Witchy, like nothing's in focus. And you yeah. want to watch it 800 times to see if you can see, like even I was following. Yeah, like it. where is it? Where I is know, he? Exactly. And exactly. that's why they're so easy to make. So it's two months since the stabbing. Yeah. And we learn about Anissa's Google search history. It's all still there. And um, the, can we just get it out of the way and don't play any of it? And I'm just going to like, I'm sorry. She watched this video about this cat named yeah. Zeus eating a mouse alive and like stalking it and doing the natural thing that cats do. They put a cat in the bathtub with a mouse in the bathtub. Whatever. And, and they're talking about like the circle of life. Like, I'm sorry, but it's the circle of life. And it's like this dumb bitch, this bitch <laughs> in the video. Like, isn't that so hilarious? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then, uh, but Anissa's comment on it, not only did she watch it, but she shared it and she said, I love how Zeus beats the mouth, the mouse to death. Ugh. Chilling. Yeah. It truly is. I yes. mean, it's horrifying. Yes. Um, of course, they play the whole video, so I was, like, muting it and looking away and right. not. I mean, it's really... But then she has these, like, off-the-cuff, like, she takes a am I a psychopath quiz? Am I a sociopath quiz? And she, like, gets it correct, which, like, in this dumb universe makes her a psychopath or a sociopath. Right. And she's, like, comments with, like, they're the police are coming for me. Lock me up. Yeah. Yeah, take me away. Yeah. Um, but she clearly knows she's having dark, disturbing thoughts, and she's investigating it. She also watches a lot of doomsday preppers. Oh, my God. No offense if anybody's a doomsday prepper, but guys. They're like the extreme couponers, too, where it's like your entire life. Your entire life is binders and and shopping and arranging and organizing your cans of food. That's the same thing. These are the people who keep, like, the backyard shed people in business. Yeah. You know what I mean? Oh, my God. Well, and also Anissa's mom is like, well, there was nothing too crazy in her history. She watched a lot of things that were... Funny to her, nothing that was gross and depressing and emotionally degrading. Yeah, there is in her Google history. That mouse video should should be disturbing to you. Yeah, and a red flag, a red glittery gigantic flag should have shot up and been like. So, at this point, we start to see the parents like going to visit their kids in prison. It's been six months since the stabbing. Yeah. And so right now they're at a facility where all visits are divided by glass, observed and recorded, and they only have contact visits twice a month with their families. Which contact visits means that you actually get to touch or hold them. Mm-hmm. Like, I, again, I cannot imagine what yeah. it would be like for my child to be separated from me and I could not touch her. Right. I cannot imagine it. So right before one of these visits, there's a phone call. You have a prepaid call from... 
an inmate at Washington County Jail. That involves Anissa and her dad and a couple of friends. This kid, Tyler, who has amazing hair, who was an inmate with Anissa and Mm -hmm. is out. And then a childhood friend of Anissa's. Named Maggie, who we realize, like, they haven't really seen each other. Right. They don't go to the same school. Yeah. But, like... We learn a lot in this conversation. Yeah, so take it away. Well, first of all, it's super manic. Anissa is literally bouncing off the walls. She's describing herself sliding around yeah. and spinning on the floor. I am sitting on the floor, and I'm spinning and putting my feet up in the air and using my hand as a third wheel kind of thing. And then I'm, like, sitting on my feet, and it's just the weirdest thing. And I look like a frog trying to take a poop. Even her dad's like, Anissa, can you take a breath? She's manic is the only way to describe she it. She absolutely is manic. Hey, hey, hey. <laughs> Anissa. <laughs> yeah? Dial it back a notch. Which is funny because it's the only other time we really see her other than the interrogation videos. Mm-hmm. And in the interrogation videos, she's so somber. Yeah. And everyone, like, it's so awkward. It's like so what 12-year-olds would do where it's like, hey, what's up? Nothing, what's up with you? Nothing, what's up with you? <laughs> they ask her what's up no less than eight times. Like, besides what we've already, like, mentioned, what's up with you? And at one point, she's like, well, nothing really, man. I'm in a cell by myself. Right. Like, nothing's up with me. Ever How since are I tried you? to kill that girl, I've just been in jail. That's what's up with me. Yeah, exactly. They're telling her things like, don't smile in court. Mom and dad told me that you'd be in court tomorrow. I'll kind of look up a little bit, and if I can see you, I'll, like, move my index finger on my right hand. And you might see me smiling. Okay. Just yeah. don't smile too much. One big piece of information that we learned, which is like not a shocker at all, but Maggie, her friend, didn't know anything about Slenderman. Anissa never talked to her about it. Right. I don't know where the whole Slenderman thing started because Anissa never talked about anything like that. Nobody ever talked about Slenderman. Unless she was like constantly internet surfing. She never really showed me anything that was bad or anything scary. She she is easily frightened though. Maggie, who's like 35 years old, who talks like a, like a full-grown human adult. Is but like, she's like 12. Yeah. But she's like, maybe she did it to be noticed. And I'm like, Maggie, girl, you are wise beyond your years. Maybe she did it because she wanted to be noticed. Because... Honestly, at her school, I didn't know that she didn't have many friends. She told me that she had lots of friends and lots of guys liked her and a bunch of, and she was accepted and she was having a great time at school. But she was constantly picked on and she never really fit in. She was a follower. Also, join the drama club, you guys. I know. You know what I mean? There are other ways to have a, a spotlight shined on you. Right. So at this point, the in the inter- basically through the interrogations, the girls take us through exactly what happened that led up to the stabbing. It starts the night before with this birthday party. And there's pictures of it. Like, they look so happy. They look like they're just, like, having a birthday. And then you hear from Morgan's mom that, like, every- there was nothing out of the ordinary. They were being normal little girls. They were running up and down the stairs holding hands and giggling. There was no indication that, that anything was was off or that we had anything to to be worried about. So the plan was Morgan and Anissa were very prepared. Yeah. They'd been planning since December. It's May, you guys. Yeah. End of May. So the plan was to... This is like, just know this is really hard to describe because it's just horrible. So the plan was to kill Bella. Originally, um, 
we kill Bella, put her under some covers, make it look like she was sleeping, and then we run. And then just run away. Right. Bad plan for <laughs> kids who have been planning this for almost six months. Yeah. Not a good plan. How are you going to kill her and then leave her there and then just run? Oh, right. Running to the Slender Mansion. I'm sorry. Right, right, right. Exactly. Keep forgetting that minor detail because it doesn't exist. Well, the reason they wanted to do it at night was because they had heard that you weren't supposed to kill people while they were awake. It's better to kill people when they're unconscious because – and you're thinking, oh, right, so they won't, like, feel pain or – no. From what I read on the Creepypasta Wiki, it's easier to kill people when they're either asleep or unconscious. Because, like, when you look into a person's eyes, you can see yourself. And you don't want to be killing yourself. If their eyes are open, you can see yourself in their eyes and you don't want to be killing yourself. Thank you, Anissa. Anissa, girl. I'm never going to sleep again because of you. I know. I know. I know. Singing like canaries, the two of them. (laughs) So Morgan is saying, like, I just wanted to give Bella one more morning. I wanted to give her at least one more morning. You wanted to give Bella one more day? I wanted to see if I could put it off forever, but it didn't seem to work out like that. So they, like, wake up. And have a normal breakfast, and they ask Anissa's mom. Donuts, by the way. They had donuts for breakfast. Right. It's my dream breakfast. <laughs> so they asked Morgan's mom, can we go to the park? And she's like, yeah. And everything was very normal. The girls were laughing and having a good time. Um, and they asked if they could go to the park. And I didn't think anything of it. I said, yeah, of course you can go to the park. And... Um, you know, Morgan said goodbye and, and told me she loved me. So the interrogator asks Anissa, how did you know that Morgan had the knife? But how did you know that she grabbed one? Because she showed it to me as we were walking to the park. She lifts up her winter jacket. Okay. And shows me the handle of a knife. Yeah, Morgan, like, swiped the knife from her own kitchen. Right. So they go to the park. They're playing in the park. And they go into the bathroom. Is that right? Here again, they were asked, like, what were you most worried about? And she says. Seeing a dead body. What were you nervous about most? Seeing a dead person. Because the last time I saw a dead person, it was at a funeral and it was my uncle. Not killing my friend no. or hearing my friend's painful screams. Or like do the act the act of stabbing someone. The act right. of stabbing someone is one of the most vicious, if not the most vicious way, other yeah. than like beating. Like it's such a personal, vicious, horrible, horrible thing. Right. That I can't. No, but just seeing a dead body. Right. Okay. <laughs> All right. You're in my closet. I'm in my bed. It's totally fine. I'm never sleeping again. Right. So. The plan was to stab her in the bathroom. They get her into the bathroom. They get her into the bathroom. And Anissa straight up is like, can you go to sleep? (laughs) You just go to bed. And Bella's like, no, like, that's not really how it works. And Anissa's like, you need to go to sleep. So Bella's like, okay. And just like closes her eyes. Right. At which point Anissa smashes her head into the concrete Mm -hmm. wall. Yeah. To like help her, to help Anissa not see a, a conscious person as she's stabbing her. Right. No, here's the thing. We're not victim blaming. I'm not victim blaming. But like she smashes her head into the wall. Then they decide not to stab her in the bathroom. They go outside and play hide and seek. Well, says them. I'm saying there's nothing said to Bella like red flag, red flag, like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Time to get the hell out of here. Right. And it's also like this is their side of the story. Um, Also, Anissa doesn't like screaming. It's like the one thing she can't handle. I don't like screaming. That's one thing I can't handle. Anissa, shut your mouth. 
sit quietly. Like, this is horrible. Maybe just don't murder somebody. If you don't like screaming and you don't like... Just don't murder somebody. Right. So they're playing hide and seek. And Anissa talks about how, like, I guess Morgan was it. She was the one that was going to find them. And Anissa is, like, coaxing Bella deeper and deeper into the woods. They're hiding. And then Morgan comes upon them. And then there's, like, a back and forth about who's going to actually do the stabbing. Yeah. Morgan hands me the knife and says, I can't do it. You know where all the soft spots are. And then I give it back to her and say, you do it. Go ballistic. Go crazy. Make sure she's down. And then Morgan said, I'm not doing it until you tell me to. I started walking away. And then like when I was five feet away, I said now. So at this point, like Bella's been stabbed and... She's trying to get up to go for help. And Anissa, one of the girls, says to her, like, stop yelling and lie back down. You'll ble- you'll bleed less if you do that. We're going to go get help. And so they basically leave her to die because they have no intention of getting help. Right. And they say that. They're like, no, we were just – we were going to the Slender Mansion. I don't know how many times we have to say it. <laughs> right. We were not right. going to go get help. So then um, Bella, like, crawls out to a service road or something and it's discovered by a biker. That's how she gets found. Otherwise, yeah. she would have just bled to death in the woods. Yeah, she is a strong, badass 12 year old yeah. girl. Yeah. Absolutely. She saved her own life. Can you imagine after like the shock and no. actual trauma she must have been in to, to say, nope, nope, I'm not going to do this. This is not this is not going to happen to me. Yeah. She's alive and well. Well, she's alive and getting better somewhere right at this very moment. It's That's incredible. I'm getting full yeah. body chills I thinking know. about it. I know. Like, She's a hero. All right, girl. One more ad break. Just can, let's take a quick breather. I need. We... I need to like reset <laughs> big time right before now. Before we bring this home. Now we're seeing like the court proceedings, and again, these court proceedings are meant to determine whether or not the girls will be tried as adults. The first one that they're dealing with is Anissa. So this Dr. Michael Caldwell guy, who's like question mark because he is going on and on about this diminished ability to understand what's real or not real and explaining like that's what a psychopath is and you know for like an hour and 18 zillion more hours what it feels like in this documentary we've seen two girls who clearly can't tell what's real and what's not real right Right. so this whole time as he's describing it i was like he's gonna say that one or both of them are psychopath right right he says anisa does not show signs of a psychopath i'm confused by i know so i've done quite a bit of research on the early stages of psychopathic personality in adolescence over the last 20 years. Based on your experiences and testing of Anissa, she does not carry that particular diagnosis. No, she doesn't have, she has really no characteristics of a psychopath or a sociopath or anything like that. Okay. So then we see this like battery of psychologists and private investigators that are called to the stand to testify to Morgan's mental stability. Yeah. And it's like right from the beginning, we meet a private investigator who talks about like going into her room and finding all of these journals. Could you just describe in general terms what you found in the bedroom when you went through it? There were uh, numerous notebooks and pieces of paper with um, drawings and writings pertaining to the Slender Man character. So she's been diagnosed with schizophrenia unspecified, oppositional defiant disorder, and bronchial asthma. <laughs> so the asthma was my favorite part. I was like, okay. Mild intermittent. <laughs> 
<laughs> but then we cut to Morgan's family, and now we're meeting Morgan's dad for the first time, and this is where we get some major information. This makes me crazy. This makes me crazy, too. Because Matt Geyser is Morgan's father, and we learn that he suffers from the same mental illnesses that Morgan does. Right. Well, we knew her diagnosis before we went to meet them at the hospital. We had a conference call with two of the doctors, so we were we were prepared. And the reason that we all went up there actually was so that we could tell Morgan what her diagnosis was. And we thought that it would be helpful for her to know that her father also had the same mental illness because we had never told her previously that Matt had schizophrenia. And the thing that makes me crazy is that they never, never told, told her. her. <laughs> and then right. Angie, this bitch, in the beginning is like, I just don't know where this came from. Right. Where it's like, right. oh, that's that's what makes me so mad. And that's why, like, if you go back and listen to her or watch her, yeah. you're like, this is a total act. Well, and that's why this whole, the ending, if you, like, makes you rethink all of her stuff in the beginning. Because she's, like, she's noticing these character traits about her kid that are, like, ding, ding, ding. These are character traits of somebody who is potentially going to be, have some sort of mental disorder, which clearly runs in the family. Which is why when they say she was a surprise, now it makes sense. Because they probably never met to have biological children because his 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 serious illness is hereditary because they didn't want this to happen and then you hear you hear him describing his own illness the heartbreaking heart he's he's crying real tears the Mm -hmm. whole time yeah i'm like the glaring demon devil like that you're like okay this is clearly not real but it doesn't matter like i've had where like you you can like see it and like you know it's not real it totally doesn't matter because you're still terrified of it i know the devil's not in the back seat but the devil is in the back seat you know so it ends that we find out the judge denies their request for juvenile court and they're going to be tried as adults and the updates that i found were um, on my birthday this year. Oh, my. <laughs> December 21st, or last year, 2017. Anissa was sentenced to up to 25 years in a state mental institution. And what about Morgan? Morgan we're still waiting for because she arranged a plea deal with prosecutors. Oh. So that was supposed to be announced in December, but it hasn't been. But she's going to have a psychiatric evaluation that began in November. Wow. So her update should be coming pretty soon. Guys, guys, that's a crazy episode. It's a crazy story. I mean, they're all still in my closet, obviously. <laughs> also, it's, it's not, not real. real. It's not real. <laughs> you guys, it's Aww. so sad. And I just, I think about Daisy all the time. I like she's gonna grow do. up and have friends, and I just, I'm taking the door off her bedroom. Yeah, I'm. Well, not. no, I've got her. <laughs> Thank God. I've, don't, Jillian. Don't let her kill anybody. I won't. I'm gonna teach her about a lot of things. Okay, good. She won't kill anybody. <laughs> Not on my watch. Girl, what are we doing next? We're going back to cults. <laughs> Jonestown, the life and death of the People's Temple, you guys. It's for free on YouTube. You can watch it for free on YouTube, you guys. I'm, I've am i been dying to do a Jonestown doc. I know, well, don't put it, though. Oh, God. <laughs> Thank you so much, and have a fantastic start of this new year and the rest of the year. We love you. And don't forget to check out the Patreon if you need more of us between now and next week. And you do. And, yeah. And you well, do. Yeah. And you do. And you do. <laughs> Bye. Bye. We love you. Nobody joins a cult. Nobody joins something they think is going to hurt them. You join a religious organization, you join a political movement, and you join with people that you really like. 
I think in everything that I tell you about Jim Jones, there's gonna be a paradox. Having this vision to change the world, but having this whole undercurrent of his function that was underneath that vision. Some people see a great deal of God in my body. They see Christ in me, a hope of glory. He said, if you see me as your friend, I'll be your friend. As you see me as your father, I'll be your father. He said, if you see me as your God, I'll be your God. Jim Jones talked about going to the promised land. And then pretty soon we were seeing film footage of Jonestown. Rice, black-eyed peas, Kool-Aid. We all wanted to go. I wanted to go. People's Temple truly had the potential to be something big and powerful and great. And yet, for whatever reason, Jim took the other road. On the night of the 17th, it was still a vibrant community. I would never have imagined that 24 hours later they would all be dead. Die with a degree of dignity. Don't lay down with tears and agony. There's nothing to death, it's just stepping over into another plane. Don't, don't be this way. Hello. Oh, yeah, that's better. That's better. Much better. I feel so much better. Do you even know what that is? What is that? That's Legally Blonde the Musical. Oh. Then before. No. I love when you get into that voice. You do <laughs> the, like, annoying high school girl voice. He's like, I'm going to be on Broadway. Then before. Then before. <laughs> Rachel, the mom, understands that, like. Angie. Sorry. I'm thinking about Rachel because of crazy Jesus Crazy, camp. scary crazy kids, kids in the closet. Oh, my God. <laughs> Under my bed. <laughs> She's right behind me. <laughs> Again, not a mother. Uh, <laughs> assuming that you like would find ways to justify it. I was just going like... to say you're kind of like my mother. <laughs> oh. Okay. Okay. <laughs> um, <laughs> What about when Morgan's parents are describing the dollhouse that she made? Oh my God. They're just, it, it felt like out of waiting for Guffman to me. It felt like yes. not real. <laughs> <laughs> like, cause they're like this little computer. Look, it has writing on it. There's a miniature TV. Look, there's a courtroom drama. Is it, isn't that, isn't that funny and creative? There's courtroom <laughs> drama. And I'm like, Morgan's mom, you need to have a little bit of awareness. I know. Take a little bit of responsibility. <laughs> Do you see these parents who, like, you just assume are garbage parents? But they're not garbage parents. That was Patrick. That was me. I shouldn't do I shouldn't do the bell. It should just be for you. <laughs> and you reach over the table. <laughs> like, you're just... I, it, the visual is great. I'm, and then we see the judge, and I just have to say the judge walks in, and I, was, I literally screamed, oh, my God, it's Orville Redenbacher. Totally. <laughs> He's got, like, the bow tie. Like, he looks exactly like Orville Redenbacher. You're like, oh, my God, I'm stress-eating your popcorn right now, sir. <laughs> so nice to see you. When I was in when I was in ninth grade, we had um, a science class that had a snake. Nope. And Mm-mm. they would once a month they would feed the snake a live mouse, and you could come and watch if you wanted to. I know. What kind of monsters did I go to high school with? <laughs> <laughs> Allison, Sue, we're not talking about you guys. 